Life was designed to give you what you deserve. Wow. Okay, so good morning, everybody. It's Tony Fleming. This is our 7 a.m. Mindset Call. We do this call every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Central, and 4 a.m. Pacific Time. And on this call, we talk about mindset. We talk about mental toughness. We talk about belief. We talk about success. We talk about failure. We talk about a lot of things that go hand-in-hand what you do on a daily basis. We also take this conference call, which it is. It's not a podcast. And we load this conference call on a podcast platform, though. So when you hear it on the podcast platform, if you stumble across it or, you know, we got a lot of people go back and listen to the replay. That's why we put it on the podcast platform uh, to have access to it. So just want to let you know that this is not a podcast. It's a conference call. It's a mindset call. And, uh, man, we talk about a lot of things that are our truth, uh, a lot of information that's good for you if you listen and take notes and apply. You can't just listen because you never learn that way. You have to listen, take notes, and apply. You know, you can't just buy a book without reading it. You have to buy the book, read it, highlight it, go back, read it again, look up some words, take notes, do those things, and then apply it. That's how that works. So that's what we talk about doing those things so that we could change our mindset and our thoughts and our beliefs because our goal is to increase our finances. And in order to do that, we have to change the thoughts that we have, which is our paradigm, because most of us grew up in a poor or middle-class neighborhood. I don't know too many people. As a matter of fact, I don't know anybody that I knew growing up growing up was in a wealthy, wealthy neighborhood. You know what? I did know one guy. <laughs> This guy worked with me at a grocery store uh, that I worked with in high school, and he lived in this area called Mountain Brook. And his family was wealthy, real wealthy. Um, but I didn't know him like that. I just knew him when we came to work and we talked. And he was uh, he played football at this other high school that we played against. We used to talk about that a lot. I actually went to his home one time. But... You know, I didn't know anything about that area when I went over there. I was like, wow. I was like, <laughs> but I, everybody else I knew grew up in a poor or middle-class neighborhood, and so our conversations were totally different. Because if you're not super wealthy or wealthy at all, you don't know certain things. You hadn't been certain places. You had done certain things. So our thoughts are different. Our words are different. And our goal is to pull up those thoughts that that's been programmed in us evaluate those thoughts and see if it's going to help us move forward in life. If it's not, I mean, move forward financially. If it's not, we got to get rid of those and replace those thoughts that are, that are stuck in us that, uh, <clears throat> that was programmed at an early age. All right. So that's what we do in this call. We got a replay number seven, one, two, four, three, two, 10, 85, seven, one, two, four, three, two, 10, 85. All right. We're going to pick up again today with another interview I did with Mr. Lewis Fields. That's, um, that's uh, in the correctional center up in Ohio. And, um, man, this one, I just realized I got 13 different interviews. This guy, I forgot I did this interview, these interviews over almost, I don't know what period of time, but it was like every, other, every Wednesday uh, we would get on. And I told you we did that for almost seven months before I even started recording. As I was listening to him, I said, man, I got to record you. And so we started then recording. So this has been over a year or two. Uh, I think this this interview here was during the pandemic, well, right when we started uh, in 2020. Uh, so, uh, man, and it's 
<laughs> we're gonna play half of it today and other half tomorrow. I mean, when Friday because it's so long. I, I didn't realize that this one is probably the longest one. It's over two hours, I guess. So I don't know how long we're gonna. We'll play some of the day and the rest on Friday. But this one we got more depth in depth into the book club and what I was doing, and he was giving me some pointers on what I need to do. Uh, with that, and it was funny how we went back and forth with that one. That's funny, but I, I don't think you're gonna hear that until Friday because I'm a, that's on the end of the interview. Uh, and he let me know uh, that <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna say it, but I, I'll just I'll say it Friday because the way he said it to me <laughs> was a little bit different than what I was thinking. We kind of went back and forth on that one. That was it's funny to me at least. So I'm gonna play this now, and then we're gonna, you know, stop in the middle of it, and then we'll hold it until Friday. Uh, and uh, let's see, go from there. All right, let's see if I can find it here. There you go. Doop, doop. There we go. All right, you there, Lewis? Yes, I am. How you doing? Okay, I don't know what happened, man. I was uh, on mixes is merged in. Okay, we good. All right, so um, I was actually listening to the last. Re- last recording we did, and at the end you were talking about getting caught with a knife, and you were talking about, uh, we, we brought up the Bible, and that, you know, God says that, you know, people say that. All I need is to read. Let me say this too right quick before we, um, and, and, you know, I, there's so much space and time between each time we interview, like a week, week and a half, that we both forget that we talked about some of the things. So you might hear something. I know on this one you might hear again when he talks about Miss Money because this is interview number four. I played interview number five the other day and then interview number six. I'm going backwards. So, But we had talked about that, but you're going to hear that probably again in here and a couple of things that you heard before because that's always always asking you. That's when you were talking about this, and that's because, you know, it's a week and a half between the time or a week that we talked, so you might hear some of the same stuff, but he says it differently. All right, the Bible. You kind of went in detail on that, um, and you know, we I was mentioning to you, and you might have talked about it. I don't know. I was trying to listen to it earlier, where you said that you realized because of that that when you realized that you were in there with some real criminals because you, you said your cell was at the end of the wall. This the, call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. At the end of the prison, and you would walk down that aisle every day and you would see these fools in there with feces and all that kind of foolishness, and you thought then at that point that, uh, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a bad situation and I really didn't think about it. So that's where we were, and I asked you also – how long had you been in that facility? Because you said that you, you've gone to, what, five facilities or something? I think it might be five. Let me see. Okay, so 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 that one that we're talking about now was the one that you kind of realized. And you hadn't really got deep into books at that point, I don't think. I think you were talking about you reading other uh, fiction books or nonfiction books, and you were saying that I hadn't really. And so at some point there, after you got caught with the knife or blah, 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 and then the, um, I don't know, we might have even talked about that, you know what I'm saying? But what I'm trying to get is, you know, I guess, you know, that's the full story So as we go along. But you're so deep and you got so much stuff that you were talking about. You know, I wanted to get that recording, too, so we can figure out how to edit it. But uh, so just pick up. Okay, you want the transition story. You want the transition from 
a fool until a person that's right, right, right. Exactly. A fool right. Until, to the books, to the different prisons, to the people that you met. Um, okay. You know, all of that because, you know, listening to you, obviously people will know that you made a transition um, because of just your words and the, how well read you are. But, you know, we hadn't gotten to that point yet. And I understand what we've been talking about. That's cool. I mean, I think that we need to get all of this information so people can really know where you came from. Uh, but I guess as we go along now, because you, you talking about, I think we've talked about maybe the first two or three years. Now, you you got 17 more years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you, you also, <laughs> also kind of jumped, uh, I, I think you kind of jumped ahead, too, on talking about, you know, how basketball led you to being leaders. Was that yeah. at that prison or was that? Another prison. That was that was later on. So yeah, I take it yeah, because that's what's missing. That what's missing is the right. detailed uh, progression of my uh, growth and change and maturation. So okay, I got you. And, and remember too, you know the you know the strawberry nine and that's what I be want to jump in, man. I got so much stuff that I'm gonna just gonna write it down, and then whenever you you know want to take a break, because I know a lot of stuff you don't need to just stop in the middle of, and then just say you know do you have anything, and I'll I'll just write that down. Okay. All right. And I, I do a better job of, of breaking it up into, like, phases so then we can, you know, reflect on the phase. So, okay. All right. Um, so, you know, why a, person, you read the, why a person said the Bible is the, you know, when they say that's the only thing you should read, why should you read other books and then, then you move on, you know, how long prison thing, how long you, you know. Okay. Well, as far as dealing with religion, um, and dealing with reading the Bible or whatever your your belief is, um, in the spiritual realm, it's absolutely necessary for a person to come to a realization that there's something that has created all this and there's something that we owe respect to. There's authority that governs over and over us. Authority is important. Government is important. Uh, that government, I believe, starts in the spiritual realm. Uh, for me, it is the Bible. Uh, like I said, I'm a Christian. Now, the Bible is very important. The Bible gave me my moral principles, the standards for humanity, the basic foundational standards for humanity. So if you... This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. If you stripped everything away and you would ask me what is the most important thing, it would begin with the Ten Commandments as being a representation of the standards for society. Um, that is important because from that foundation, God blesses us and gives men and women the ideas, the visions, the thoughts, the purpose in our heart to go out and live a life. So if all I read is the Bible, and that is the only book I read, absolutely in God's economy and kingdom, I will be very well versed. I will be able to recite a lot of things. But as far as his life application, and as the scriptures say, we are supposed to be our own epistle. We are supposed to be our own uh, segment of the Bible as we live our lives, that will be lacking because you become, you might, you get to that point usually when you're so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. You're so busy reading the Bible, 
you're missing the whole point of the work, getting the mud and work this thing out with fear and trembling. You know, exercising your faith upon the earth by way of the purpose and the gifts that God has bestowed upon you, because that's what the Bible is. It is the story of human beings that had faith in the Word of God and went out and exercised that faith in the lives of others. And you see the ups and downs. You see the reality. You see the uh, the weaknesses of human beings. You see the redemption. Uh, as I was going through the story of three murders, because I had to find some kind of way through the foundation, through the moral code. Like I said, if I'm a Christian, this is what I believe by faith, that what is my purpose? Because I've done this thing. I've shed blood. I have taken a man's life. I have destroyed communities. I have destroyed families. I hurt his mother, his father. I hurt his family deeply. I hurt my family. I hurt the whole neighborhood. That that ripple has gone out because that hurt goes out as people move and migrate out and disperse. So all that comes from me. That's a responsibility that I have that I cannot shut. That is real. So how do I reconcile even being worth existing on earth? Why am I even worth it? So I had to go to, like I said, the moral principle and see something there that I could verify with truth. And that's when I broke down the first mention Cain and Abel, Moses, and Saul, who later became Paul. And I see, oh, this is the purpose. This is, this is the way that I will increase human life based upon my past circumstances, not to live in that guilt and shame, but it is my responsibility to learn. So now this is when we get to learn in literacy. Um, Do you have any questions about that? Because I was about to go into now about my experience going to Lucasville and understanding my lack of education. All right, yeah. So uh, as I was listening to the the three recordings before this one, you said education a whole lot. And I can promise you the people that are listening or will be listening to this, when they hear that, they're thinking college, they're thinking master's degree, Ph.D., but that's not what you're saying, right? You said explain what not yeah. Okay. Explain education. Okay. So So when I I went I was at a level two institution, Lake Erie Correctional. From Lake Erie Correctional I was uh brown and with a prison shank a knife, a prison made knife. From there I was uh disciplined and the sanction was to raise my level to a security level, which is called level four. The higher you go up in the level of security, the more serious the prison are, the more serious the prison, prisons get because you're dealing with more violence then. So I went to Lucasville, Ohio, uh, the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility, and the time I spent, I spent time in the hole in Lake Erie prior to going there. That time began to detox me. It began to get me away from all the distractions, from the television, from my family. My visits stopped coming because I was in trouble. I was in the hole. So this separated me from the world that I knew. And this world I knew was dysfunctional. So over time, so then when I got to Lucasville, that is in the southernmost part of Ohio. I'm from northeast Ohio, from Cleveland. So I was stripped away of everything then. And when I got to Lucasville, you could tell in the air it was a different place. It was the seriousness of this situation. I was in prison. 
This is what prison is. This is the stuff you see like on the movie. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. This was the first time I really faced the reality from the physical standpoint of what my actions, my decisions were in 1998 when I took a man's life. This is the sanction of prison, and that's what Lucasville represented for me. Um, I was in cell 80. Cell 80 was at the end of the range uh, on the block I was on. So I went past every cell. These are old-school cell doors like Shawshank Redemption with the bars. And as I'm going by, I'm looking at men, and these men are not the type of men I've ever seen before. These men are deranged, and I knew instantly I was in the wrong place, that I was not of this, that I have messed my life up, and there was a fear of foreboding and a deep understanding of i got to figure this thing out. Uh, and what I, what I came to realize, which I didn't realize at that time, there's a lot of mental health issues in Lucasville due to the fact of funding and whatnot and the silence being closed and whatnot and mental health being uh, not funded properly, there's a lot of guys that have mental health issues. And these are violent mental health issues. And these men are throwing piss and feces. They're doing animalistic things due to the fact they're not getting the proper care. The state does the best job they can, but it's only so much money, it's only so much you can do when you have a guy in prison that really should have been handled with the mental health department, but the mental health didn't exist. Now, this is back the early 2000s. I believe that mental health has come out and get more funding, you get more awareness about it, you get more people on board would understand it's a real issue that needs to be addressed. But this was coming out of the 80s and 90s, and it just wasn't there. So... What that walk on that range represented was a separation for the first time in my mind from prison into focusing on myself. Because like I said earlier, I had tried everything I could to fit in. I tried everything I could to fit in. You know, like they say, fake it till you make it. I had took a This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Due to my ignorance, due to the fear, I had took on every negative behavior and action there was in prison. I wanted to just fit in. I wanted to get along because I'm going to be here, so i got to fit in. And Lucasville represented, you're not of this. What have you done? And it was like I woke up. It was like the alarm clock. It was like the alarm. walking down that ranch was like an alarm clock uh, that made me look at the reality of my existence, and it was ugly. And I got down and that last set cell 80 by myself, it was ugly. It was ugly. Uh, it was some crying. It was some worrying. It was some pacing, not sleeping. Uh, glad to figure this thing out. And that was the beginning of me aiming at figuring this thing out. And that aim has brought me to this point, and it's a lot in between. And we'll talk about that. So you got any questions? Um, you said that you realized when you got there. You have. One minute remaining. We can talk about this when you come back, but you said you realized when you got there you were separated from the world uh, when you went to Lucasville because TV, radio, all that stuff in prison was gone. And, you know, I think the average person, even myself, thought that once you went to prison, any prison, you were separated from that stuff. But it sounds like 
when you went to prison, the first prison or the second prison, it was just like the world outside. You had TV, you had entertainment, you had everything that, and that's not what you picture in prison. I thought that you would be locked up, your mind would be, you know, you'd be quiet, you start thinking, but you're saying that that's not what happened in the initial prison or the first two prisons. You were just, you know, you still right. was part of the world almost. It was like the same thing right. in that prison that you get outside of the prison, which I didn't, I didn't right. think. Okay, yeah, we thought, yeah, that's good. That would be a good transition. Yeah, that, that, that fits right in where, uh, where, where we need to go, yeah. Okay. Uh, with understanding these, these, these security levels. Thank you for using GTL. Oh, all right. Hello, Ms. Smith. All right. So, all right, excellent question. We left you and said about me talking about the difference in prisons and being stripped away from the world with television, radio, and access to things. Um, as I said, at that time, we had level five down to level one. Level five represented the highest security level, uh, the most violent, most dangerous criminals, all the way down to level one, which is reintegration, where you're prepared to go back home, and it's the most lax. Not all states. Every state, states differ. And one of the blessings and outliers to be locked up in the state of Ohio is that they still deal with rehabilitation. They deal with rehabilitation and also correction. As you step down and as you get access to television, to radio, to access to programming, because they let community partners come in and give you programming, the ability to begin your own programs, the ability to walk and move about. Like uh, we were talking about recreation and we get in that little letter. The ability to have access to more recreation, the ability to participate in intramural sports, to participate in music programs, art programs. Uh, we have Oberlin College has bought theater in here. We've got guys, brothers acting and things. The purpose of that exercise is not so that we would be comfortable but what it is is if you treat a person like a human being, a person will respond. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Reasonable, rational person. So as you step down in these levels and you get access to more things and more ability to learn more and to have more access to the world and to use the phone more, and now we have kiosks, we have email access. The reason for this is that you would be reintegrated back into society. You would come back a, a person that is fully actualized and prepared to live in society because we have treated you like proper society. We have given you the ability and the platform to act as if you are in the world. That's why you get more visits. The visits are more lax as you go down. Now, this is the issue with anything that you're dealing with a big group of people with a limited number of uh, authority figures and a limited budget. No one can manipulate a human being to their own good. You can give out sanctions. You can give out as many uh, incentives as you like. For instance, raising a child, you can give your child $50 for every A, Jordans for passing a grade, but if that person, that human being, does not make a conscious decision to want to be successful, to want to be a good person, to want to understand and learn, 
it will not stick with them. This is the reason why you have so many parents saying, oh, I didn't raise him like this. He was such a good kid. I don't know what happened. You can incentivize everything you want. It's the same thing in a prison. You can incentivize everything you want, but it's the responsibility of the human being to make that conscious decision. You understand what I'm saying? So Yeah, I, I, I got it because it's the same thing in, in our business. We incentivize. We give people awards. We give people contests to to go on trips, they can win trips to go on, we can do all that. But what you're saying is, all that's fine and dandy, but that person, if that person wants to win and continue to win, that's not what's going to do it. They have to come from within because they go on a trip, come back, they still be the same person. They got to come, right. they got to come from within and really want it because just getting them an incentive is just, I mean, you just gave them an incentive. Exactly. Oh, because it doesn't live, there's no root in it. Like the Bible talks about having roots. Like the word comes in, everybody say amen and shake their head. But who goes out and not only lives that word, but produces more fruit based upon that seed that was planted when they heard the good word? Everybody said amen, but what happened with the seed that was planted? Um, That's why I love the speech. I always talk about it because it's one of my founding principles of how I live my life, the common denominator of success. It's not only what makes people successful, but you have to have a motive, a, a, a reason for doing it. And then, therefore, you have to build up a habit of doing things other people don't want to do. You can't just do it for two weeks. You can't just do it for six months. You can't do it for a year because what will happen is the weeds will grow back up. Everything, you stop turning the guard, everything will come back up. You have to develop a habit of continuously, step by step, doing other things that people don't want to do. And that success runs uh, a reason for doing it. And then, therefore, you have to build up a habit of doing things other people don't want to do. You can't just do it for two weeks. You can't just do it for six months. You can't do it for a year. Because what will happen is the weeds will grow back up. Everything, you stop turning the garden, everything will come back around. You have to develop a habit of continuously, step by step, doing other things that people don't want to do. And that success you stop turning the garden, everything will come back around. You have to develop a habit of continuously, step by step, doing other things that people don't want to do. And you stop turning the guard, everything will come back around. You have to develop a habit of continuously, step by step, doing other things that people don't want to do. And that's how I live my life, the common denominator of success. It's not only what makes people successful, but you have to have a motive, a, a, a reason for doing it. And then, therefore, you have to build up a habit of doing things other people don't want to do. You can't just do it for two weeks. You can't just do it for six months. You can't do it for a year. Because what will happen is the weeds will grow back up. Everything, you can't just do it for two weeks. You can't just do it for six months. You can't do it for a year. Because what will happen is the weeds will grow back up. Everything, you stop turning the guard, everything will come back around. You have to develop a habit of continuously, step by step, doing other things that people don't want to do. And that success runs the same way in prison. It's no this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. We is my me and my peers. We all can go through the same programming. I've I've started taking programming when I was in lockdown. I was the first beginning to be taking programming because I wanted to get out the cell. Um, when I got to OSP, OSP was a prison that was a level five. They opened up a level four floor there, and it was up north. It was in Youngstown, Ohio. So I transferred from Lucasville up there. Um, that was the first time when I really start I started taking programming to get out the cell. Get out the cell. I took some programming. That program started having an influence on me. Even though at that point I wasn't fully 
engaged, fully taking it seriously. I was there for a reason. But and, you, and then what you look back and you reflect on your life, anybody that's ever been successful, anybody that's ever accomplished things, understands that that success and that accomplishment is a mindset and it's a process and it takes time. Paul, a prison that was a level five, they opened up, you stop turning the guard, everything will come back around. You'll develop a habit of continuously, step by step, doing other things that people don't want to do. And that success runs the same way in prison. It's no this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. We, as my, me and my peers, we all can go through the same programming. I've, I've started taking programming when I was in lockdown. I was first beginning to be taking programming because I wanted to get out the cell. Um, when I got to OSP, OSP was a prison that was a level five. They opened up a level four floor there. And it was up north. It was in Youngstown, Ohio. So I transferred from Lucasville up there. Um, that was the first time when I really started, I started taking programming to get out the cell. Get out the cell, I took some programming. That programming started having an influence on me. Even though at that point I wasn't fully engaged, fully taking it seriously, I was there for a reason. But and, you, and then what you look back and you reflect on your life, anybody that's ever been successful, anybody that's ever accomplished things, understands that that success and that accomplishment is a mindset. And it's a process, and it takes time. All these things go into success and accomplishment. It is not an overnight call. And when you understand how learning works in education, you understand it is a process. When I talk about education, I talk about learning. When I talk about literacy, I'm not talking about college. I have nothing against college per se, but what I'm talking about is how life works. Because you can go to college all you want, get all the letters behind your name, and still not understand how life works. Because how life works is an interpersonal focus on oneself and the place you are in the universe. And when I talk about literacy, I'm not talking about college. I have nothing against college per se, but what I'm talking about is how life works. Because you can go to college all you want, get all the letters behind your name, and still not understand how life works. Because how life works is an interpersonal focus on oneself and the place you are in the universe and what role and purpose you have. Bible. The Bible. The Bible. You are in the universe and what role and purpose you have. No college course, no course is designed to give you purpose. That is an education that you have to take on for yourself. Now, this is the importance of the foundation of the Bible. The Bible deals with me. It deals with me and my relationship with the Creator God. That interpersonal development must be carried out throughout. Uh, I love when Zig Ziglar, he gives his speeches, and he talks about, I ain't talking about the guy next to you. I'm not talking about your mother. I ain't talking about you wish your brother was here. I'm talking to you about you. I always say this in builders. Within our heads is the most dangerous place because that's the place where we don't want to deal with real things. We want to have distractions to keep us from off of ourselves. So I'll look at another person and want to make jokes about them. I'll look at my family and I'll blame my family, this victimized mentality. I had to break that mentality of blaming everybody else and realize, Lewis, you in this cell, you're the one that took this man's life. This is all your responsibility. You made these decisions. So how do I improve my decision-making? I have to improve my decision-making with the ability to be able to think. But if I don't have new information, if I don't have the information, new ideas produce new results. You have to feed this, your blind new ideas. But the issue with ideas is how do I verify truth? How do I even know if the ideas I'm gaining 
Because you see people put forth effort, but they put forth effort in a false hope. If I don't understand how to verify truth, how do these things happen? This has all been a process over the course of my life. And everybody that's ever been successful, that's ever done anything, that's ever changed, understands exactly what I'm saying. It is a process. It is a marathon. It is not a one-time thing. Change can look ugly. Change has some darkness to it. Change might not ever even look like change from the outside looking in. This is why it, it comes from the inside out. It's an interpersonal journey. You cannot allow your environment and allow circumstances and allow other people to judge and define you and who you are. If you continue to do that, you will continue in that slave mentality. You will continue to be a tool used for whatever purpose the environment tends to use you for. And therefore, you will not live in success nor in accomplishment. Okay. Um, now, you got now, now, about that? now, that's where I was trying to go because, again, bro, you're so deep, you can, you can take one topic and just talk. Um, but what I was trying to go with was when you said that it almost seems like that second prison should have been later on in your life than that early in your life. But you told me that it, it, it kind of woke you up because you saw people leaving. But my, my main question was everything that was offered at the other prison, you said was for the good, but I think people took it for the bad and they let that, or you're saying that, a person should understand, okay, we got all those options. I still need to be able to go and change anyway. But you're, the way you said it is almost like you wouldn't have done that if you wasn't stripped of everything. Okay. Now, that's beautiful. I did to the average process of getting your security level drop. I did get my security level drop very quickly to be, I was like two years in on a series of, case, on a murder case, and to be at a level two, it was an outlier. That was due to the fact they had just opened up these, that's when uh, Ohio had started opening up private prisons, and they need, they had more bed space, so they needed bodies to fill this, these places in. And the mass added up, as far as from a mass standpoint. Now, from a mental standpoint, was I necessarily ready? No, but who was ever ready for the next level? But in reflection, there are no mistakes because these are lessons that have to be learned. If I had not got that that exposure early on, even though I had dissonance, I hated it. I, I it was like I said, it, it made me sad because I'm like, damn, all these guys going home. Think about my mind. I've been placed in a place where there's nothing but hope, but it wasn't the environment. It was the perspective of my mind that was skewed. And I'm hating that. I'm in a place where there's hope and there's life, and I'm hating that because I'm working death in my mind. I become institutionalized. See how, how, how messed up that is, how, how sick that is. You know, what he was saying is that he was thinking about his 20 years to life that he was going to be in, and he was in a place where people were not, they were going home. They was there for two years, three, and he was like, damn. I got 20 years, and I'm seeing these guys leaving me. All Everybody I'm meeting is leaving, and I'm not leaving. I got 20 more years. And when he was saying thinking of death, that's what he was thinking about, that he might even die in prison. I had an opportunity to go to a place where I could have took off. I'm talking about I, I could have. It, it was, the opportunities were plentiful there. And it was a new place. But now my perspective was so messed up. Because of who I was inside, not because of the environment. It was because of who I was. I was carrying a negative environment with me everywhere I went. 
This was a place of hope. This was a place that showed, Lewis, it's an opportunity. You're going to go home one day. People go home, man. I took you out of this place to show you this, and I squandered it. So when I got to a place where don't nobody go home at all, and there is no hope, I, the contrast is what gave me the idea, because if, if I never see the peak of the promised land, if I never see what reintegration looks like, if I never see what it looks like for men to act like human beings and be able to go back out and not have all these caught-up uh, antisocial cultural norms that happen in higher-level prisons, how would I have known it existed? Because let me tell you this, once I went through Lucasville and OSP and I got my status dropped back down, I behaved, I followed the rules, I got my status back, dropped back down to level three, and I was sent back to my parent institution, which was Trumbull. That was the institution I began in. And a lot of some years that went by, maybe about this time four or five years. So you have one minute remaining. Like 06. So I see a lot of the guys that were still down there. You know, so we, you know, everybody want to catch up time. Oh, man, what's up? I heard you crashed out. You back. You know how it go. We talk mm-hmm. and talk. So they could see I was different, though. And they said, man, you different. Something different to you. I said, yes, it is. And I said, I can't wait to get my status drop again and leave. So you leaving? Because it was like this idea, like, you leaving the plantation again? Did you, you, you failed last time. You can't leave. It's safe here. I'm like, y'all crazy. Like, I- this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. And it's like, and I was convincing guys, I'm like, this is crazy. That's what y'all don't know. Y'all got to know this is crazy, man. People can't go home. Like, this is not right. And we'll talk about that on the next call about the mindset. My mindset had to change because at that, at that point in my process, environment was controlling me. I had to develop the ability to create my own environments based upon who I am, not based upon what I'm surrounded by. But okay, but the this question is, you got was 50,000 inmates, so with a limited staff or the television, or the video. But is that intentional, or is that just... Entertainment business. Entertainment business. Now, at that same time, there's opportunity for those that will to reach new levels. Same thing on the street, like you would say. There's no different. That y'all, it's the masses out there. Why do you think it's so much movies? The entertainment to reach new levels. Same thing on the street, like you would say. There's no different. They're talking mm-hmm. talk. So they can see I was different, though. Hey, man, I appreciate everything that he's saying. I, I mean, I think the information is so powerful because you can learn from that. But I'm trying to figure out, is all those options more dangerous? I know it's more dangerous because you're not going to focus. But is that intentional or is that just the prison trying to treat you like humans? Are they throwing more options at you to keep you confused and distracted to where you can't focus on your life? Or... Hold on a second. Hey, debit call from... Lewis. ...entering and recording. Thank you for using GTL. Okay. The intentionality of it. Okay, of the entertainment, of the television, of the video games or what. Yeah, was that, in, was that intentional yeah. by the prison to make you well, feel you human? You got- you got 50,000 50, inmates, so with a limited staff. So, of course, you have to have something to keep men's minds occupied. And the, the common denominator that they know that everybody relates to is that elementary school level. You know, people getting hit on the head, people laughing, 
people watching people cheat on their wife and they fight in the parking lot, the, the, the base level is the level where everybody responds. So bread and circus. You give the masses bread and circus, therefore, to keep them in a state of calm because this is where their mind is at. Now, at that same time, you know, that was the first time I ever heard that term, bread and circus, and I had to go Google it and pull it off. <laughs> you know, that was something that he read in one of those Plato books, I guess one of them is, the, is actually what a Roman writer wrote that back in the day, which is the same as, you know, alcohol and TV. But, you know, they called it bread and circus then. <laughs> There's opportunity for those that will to reach new levels. Same thing on the street, like you would say. It's no different. That y'all, it's the masses out there. Why do you think it's so much movies? The entertainment business is so big. They got to give, give us basketball games, football games. It's the middle of the corona. We playing sports. They say no mass gatherings. We playing sports. Why are we playing sports? What if it was no sports? What would the people do? Because our minds have not been developed to be able to produce anything fruitful as a as a. Uh, this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Majority humans won't take, wouldn't take that time and do anything fruitful, so we have to provide some sort of entertainment. Uh, this is the common denominator of the mentality of human beings. We are base. We have been taught to want entertainment. So in the prison, you have to give men entertainment because what else would they do? Then the idle time would cause other thoughts to happen. The other thing is this about stuff. Wait a, minute, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said out of time would call other thoughts. And that's because right, because of... now you're talking about, now like, okay, in this block, there's 200 men in this block. So if you got 200 men, and if you have 100, let's say 180 of them, functioning at the understanding of a social-emotional intelligence level of a sixth grader, and you take television away, and you take the radios away, and you take the ability to play the cards and the games away, because this is what kids do. Kids play all day like entertainment. So if you take away that, what would 180 sixth-grade-level thinkers do? Who knows? I know it wouldn't be good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the age... So are you saying also because... If they take that away from people outside of the prison, it wouldn't be good either. So so you're saying that even the people in the prison or the people outside of the prison, um, even, with college, even with college degrees, they Absolutely. still have that sixth-grade thinking. That's why we couldn't take away sports for so long, and you couldn't take away movies or television. It will be uh, an uprise probably. They would go crazy because now – if you tell them that, they're not going to believe that. They're not going to believe that they're operating on that level. And they, they, Because what I'm saying to you is where you are now in your mindset, you that probably would have been enjoyment to you because now you can really think and read. But I guess when you first coming in, and, and 80% of guys who stay there, they never change, and they're just like the people on the outside world, you can't take away those distractions or they'll lose their mind. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. You would have other chaos on the streets, too. And the thing about it is the economy, this is a microcosm of 
what's going on in the real world because we're still in the world. Regardless that we out of sight, out of mind, and it's an ugly thing to even look at us. I understand those that have done uh, heinous crimes against against people. It's a very ugly thing to even consider us as human beings and look at us. We are still in the world. We are still part of the economy. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. You know, the recycle bin right now, full of pop cans. All this stuff costs money. These phone calls cost money. Everything costs money. We paying taxes on stuff just like everybody else. They selling us stuff all day. We buying stuff too. We are consumers. TV exists for one reason, to sell product and to shape thought, to sell product and to shape thought. So the entertainment world, movies, sports, sells the advertisement so that people would be moved that their identity will be tied to these things. That's the reason why you will have a man scream all night, all day, about the Lakers winning a championship, and you've never been to L.A., you don't know any of those people, you're not getting paid by those people, but you are screaming and yelling and are about to fight somebody else because they was rooting for Miami because you lack identity. So your identity is tied to whatever environment they put you in. Now, the Big Ten about to start back up. I should call you one night when Ohio State is playing. You would imagine that all these people's sons are playing for Ohio State. Okay? You mean in the brilliant game? Yeah. And it's like, why do you do this? You do this because you have a lack of identity. Why do you have a street name tattooed on you and you don't own any property in this street? This is an impoverished neighborhood and you got a block tattooed on you. Why do you have these sports teams tattooed on you? Why are you doing this to yourself? You lack identity. It is an identity problem, inside and out. Your identity becomes tied to these things. You live through these other things because, God forbid, you would live within yourself. And this is the fight. This is the battle. This is how success happens. When you start rooting for yourself, I come in the block or, I, or well, when we were open, now we, we got a, you know, got control movement, but I come from doing something, somebody come tell me, they run up on me. Because I used to be in there. I used to like that. I, I understand where they're coming from. Hey, man, you know, so-and-so got traded, so-and-so. I look at them like they formed. Like, I don't even know what's going on, man. I don't know. <laughs> Like, man, that I ain't watched sports in so long. I don't know who's good no more. I don't know who in the world is. I have no idea. I don't know nothing about none of that. I'm rooting for, for team fields. I'm hey, making my own championships. I'm putting my own team together. I'm the GM, the president. You know, I'm doing my own books. But wait wait a minute. That used to be you, though. That used to be me. I'm not speaking down on these brothers. I know what they're going through. It is mm-hmm. a sad place. Addiction, when you see imbalances, this is in, I was talking about this this week in class. We were talking about because we making these goals, and it's tough for guys to make goals because a goal is a, a plan that's been plotted out for your own life, for your own well-being. Nobody does that. Nobody plots out a plan for their own life. We wait on somebody else to tell us something. Or we wait for life to just happen and cause us some adversity so we can whine about it and say, oh, man, something bad happened. I can't do that. So I said an imbalance is it shows up. It's no different than the dude smoking crack, the dude that's got to get drunk to the point where he can't think no more, the person that's overeating, to the point where they, they hate themselves crying, eating food, and they hate their body image. All these things are imbalances to promiscuity, to the person that feels like their identity is tied up in sex. To the, these all are identity crises, and it shows up in our lives in different ways. So and I have no way talking down on nobody. Like I said, when I speak, when I speak, I'm speaking to myself. When I speak, I'm reinforcing those things that I know, reminding myself, Lewis, stay sharp, stay focused, because I am in no way perfect. It is still a struggle, like Ian Gray said, with the common denominator of success. It is an everyday commitment, an everyday commitment 
to those things that you know to be right. It's an everyday commitment to the plan. And the first day you slip, you'll see your slip. And then this is the reason why you make a plan, because I can go back in the plan and see, oh, I missed step four. This is where I slipped at. How do I strengthen myself so I don't miss step four? Okay, what was my routine? What was my habit? And what did I, what, how did it break down? But if I take no reflection for my life, if I have no plan, no purpose, no goals, if I don't put it on paper, if it is not a commitment to myself, a word to myself, I have nothing to go back to, so I'm lost. I'm empty. I've been there before. That is the difference in, that's the education I'm talking about, the education of self. That comes through reading numerous books of all different varieties, psychology, what happened to me as a child shaped my view of myself. It is not to blame, but these are facts. So how do I understand that one of the blessings that I had when I went to the hole was that it removed me from my very family, who was one of my triggers? Our families be our biggest triggers. This is where you were shaped at. So you've got to get away from that so you can become your own human being and find out who you are. So therefore, then you can deal with your family in an honest way. So you can deal with your past environment in an honest way. So you'll understand that if this is poison for me, let me abstain. Let me stay away. Let me use certain skills. You have to develop certain skills. Literacy, my brother, Donnie Singleton, brother that spoke at the uh, at my event yesterday, brother that earned his parole earlier this year, he gave me this. We were talking about literacy. It's like we were talking about what he was going to talk about. He said, literacy allows you. The guy, Donnie Singleton, is, I'm going to try to find the video, too. That's the one that uh, I told you I did a, a uh, Zoom with two guys that had been in prison, and we talked about books for an hour. Uh, it was a it was a thing that uh, I forgot the lady named that uh, she put a, a seminar together for a whole day, and the one section on there was about books. And Donnie Singleton was the guy that I interviewed, and another guy that's who he's talking about now, who's actually out and living a productive life. You really to be able to identify things and to define things, you know, so that you can evaluate your life and then execute. And that's really what it is at its core. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. So much more, like we said, than reading letters off a of paper because you're just reading symbols off a of paper. If you can't define things, this is the reason why words matter so much. You can't – we can speak lingo and slang and all that stuff. You can try to tell me that, oh, it's equal to that. No, it's not. Because it's an outlier. It's a subculture. So slang ain't, is not equal to the common language because that common language is not spoken in the financial world, in the legal world, or anywhere that matters. So when people try to push that, that's an agenda that's not going to work out because the subculture is going to maintain being a subculture so it keeps you out of the circles that matter. You must understand the language. You must understand how things work for the common good of people because that is the connectedness that we have to have. And in our culture and our society, when you are outside of that, those social norms, it keeps you on the fringe of society. It keeps you antisocial. It keeps you from having power. It keeps you in a constant struggle or fight or flight because you are going against the very norms of society. You are rebellious. This is why we're in prison. We have the same issues other people have. The difference is it was something in us. But whatever that reason is, and that's what you've got to find out when you find out that why. Why was I okay with going across this line of social norms? Why was I okay with being antisocial? When did I decide it was going to be okay for me to carry a gun? 
a handgun. What made that okay for me? What in me made that okay? Why did I just throw away all of the conventional thinking and be willing to cross a line? You know, and when you can figure that out, that corruption that's within you, why are you corrupt? Because that's what it is. You, you just see corrupt men. It's a corrupt mindset, this, this mindset of getting over. Why was I a taker? Why was I selfish? Because you're not interconnected with human beings, because you don't care about yourself. When you hate yourself, when you have no love, no respect, no appreciation for your own life, it is impossible to work within society and with the increase of human life, which is our purpose for being on Earth. It's the <clears throat> That's why, you know, people say black-on-black black crime, but it's still vicinity crime, meaning that we all live in the same area. But when you don't, you know, feel good about yourself, when you feel like you're nothing, then it's easy to kill. And that's why I said it always goes back to mindset and self-esteem and how you deal with your inner self, which most folks don't deal with. Most people don't read. Most people are not doing that, and they're thinking there's another way around that, but it's not. Increase human life in some capacity. Whatever your path is is your path, but it's to increase human life. That is what all good fruit does. It increases human life in some kind of way on some type of level. So I just said it not. So what do you well, no, no, you good, you good, you, you know, just, okay. uh, you, um, well, you know, you were at the point where you realized that things got to change, you know, you, you, you got real serious about it because, you know, uh, you realized you wasn't going home and, uh, and that you had to change the, the person that you were. And so, uh, I know if the people listening to you, they, they know you well read, but we hadn't even gotten to that point where, was it a certain point in, in any of the prisons where you just say, I'm going to start reading and these books start coming to you and you just kind of buckled down and went book after well, book after book, or was it a process? Well, I, I had done some reading in the county. I had done some reading. Like when you go to the hole, you read a lot. That's when you read when you're in the hole. So I was reading basic stuff, basic things, uh, fiction, the Donald Goins, Iceberg Slims, corrupt stories about corrupt things. Um, because that's where my mind was at. That's what I was drawn to. And also those books were written at an elementary school level because that's the only thing I could comprehend is an elementary-based level. So while Lucasville, uh, I met a brother, and he started giving me books. You know, he saw I was quiet out to myself. He started giving me books. You know, he started talking to me. Basically, this was my first mentor. This was my first positive mentor that uh, spoke into my life and the increase of my life. You know, and the, the the work he put in in mentoring me has been abundantly multiplied. As I you have one minute remaining. This is the beauty of teaching. You know, it goes on and on and on. Your influence will go on and on throughout the earth. And he started giving me books. So the books he was giving me were all nonfiction. They was tough books. They were stuff about finance, about the law, about the government. And I didn't understand none of that stuff. So I would bring the book, but I tell him, man, I ain't understanding this, man. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, and I was really, I can't read. And then we talked about it, like, well, man, you know, that's your, your reading level is low. You didn't go in depth about literacy at that point. But see, every time level. you say you can't read, people think that means you can't understand the symbols on the page. That's not okay, what I'll you're what that is on the next call. I'll define yeah. what we, we yeah. can't read yet. Because most of us can't read. We think we can. We We can't read. You yeah, know, but we I do it for you can't read. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you can't read, dude. That's 
that's not. Okay, I understand what that is on the next call. I understand yeah. we, we, we yeah. can't read yet because most of us can't read. We think we can we we can't read. You yeah, know, but we think, the the you can't read. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you can't read. This is a prepaid debit call from Louis. Yeah, that's over thirty first, right? I, I might even try to make that, man. I, I don't, I don't know if I can or not, but I might even try. Entering and recording. You yeah, know, but we think, the phone, we, we have best, you can't read. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you can't read, dude. For real. <laughs> you can't right. read. You think you can, right. but you can't. Uh, but yeah, I talk about all next time. Call, I, I call back to talk about all next call. Yeah. This is a prepaid debit call from Louis. Entering and recording. Thank you for using GTL. Okay. Hey, hey Louis, right quick. I told yep. you I bought those books, right? I bought the books that you wanted. I had them shipped to. Uh, did I tell you that? Right. So so that's, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's thank over thirty first, right? I, I might even try to make that, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can or not, but I might even try to make that. But okay, but that'd be great. That'd yeah, be I, I don't want to throw you off, but uh, go ahead. Okay, so when we're talking about reading, talking about reading. Unfortunately, and I think I spoke about this a little bit. We generalize everything. We're so lazy with our communication, with our language. We throw words out there without meaning. So we'll have a whole conversation and never question what's said, and we'll just make it up as we go along. So if I say reading, reading might mean one thing to one person, another thing to another person. When I say reading, I'm talking about literacy. So I should really use literacy. And literacy is being able to recognize not only the words on the page, but to recognize them in the ability to be able to identify and define the word, the meaning, the context of these words, the purpose that the book or the text was written, and what the outcome should be. Then after I've gotten all of that, so I know what I'm reading, then I, I need to verify if the author is truth or not. How do I verify truth? How do I know about this person? We read books don't even know who wrote it because it's an agenda. You know, we don't know if it's a liberal gym. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Purple person considers himself a capitalist, is a communist, whatever. And we read these things and have no idea in which way we're being led because information should lead you somewhere. But if I don't know what's going on, I'm ignorant to this, this affects my ability to function in literacy. So once I got all this tied together, I know what I'm reading, why I'm reading it, who wrote it, what the agenda is. Now when I read it, I have to see how does it apply to life and not somebody else's life. How does it apply to my life? Because if I do not relate it to myself, what was the purpose of me reading it? Because I can't read something for you, Mr. Fleming. I can't read a book for you and say, oh, man, this has been great for Mr. Fleming. Oh, you should have read this one. If, it does not, if I cannot take this information in some way, it opens up a door, a window, or shows me a mirror, I'm missing something. And everything you take in should give you that. It doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with everything. It doesn't mean I'm going to take every concept and adopt this in my life. I'm driven by well, each book I change my thoughts. No. But when you got that fundamental purpose, we're talking about what's the purpose of the Bible to give me my fundamental morals and foundation for life and understanding human life and existence and the, and the beauty of it and why I exist. Then everything else either rejects that or 
add to that. And that's how you find out what's permissible and what's not permissible. There will be ideas and thoughts that you will have that will come from reading, that will come from the ideas that comes from reading. So if I can't communicate this thing to myself personally and then apply it, take it and apply it, and apply it in such a way that I can measure the success or the failure of it, then I lack literacy. How many people go through school and you say, okay, what you got a degree in? You tell me what you got your degree in. All right, that's cool. Uh, so what does that mean? Because the job you actually do, you didn't necessarily need that degree. The degree just allowed you in the door because the people knew you knew how to obey rules. My fourth grade teacher, Miss Taylor, I don't know where Miss Taylor at, God bless her. Miss Taylor was the first teacher that challenged us to think. And her influence has still been in my life, even though I dummied it down and dulled it and went away from it. But the seeds she planted has helped me now in being a researcher and verifying truth and being a critical thinker. She told us, Miss Taylor told us in fourth grade, she said, there's nothing wrong with going to college, there's nothing wrong with getting a college degree. If you're going to use it to do something good in your life. That's how she basically gave it to us. She said, the issue is, jobs are going to hire you because you had this college degree because they know that you will go through a system and you will obey. Because that's basically what a bachelor's degree means. You will do everything we say. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. That a bachelor's degree, you will do everything we say do, how we say to do it, and we shouldn't have too many problems with you when we sit you in this cubicle. This is why they want you to have a college degree when you work on these jobs. Because a person who is a dropout, they got a, a, a GED, it's a specialized training, what that shows is you're unconventional. You might not go along like we told you to do. You might be an issue in this cubicle because you don't have the same background as everybody else. You don't have the same foundation and experience that it takes to get this four-year bachelor's degree. If that's making sense. Yeah, yeah. So, you're saying you're saying you're not you're not programmed in, because exactly. you, yeah, you're not programmed. We want programmed people to come work for us because you you've proven that you can follow a system, that you can take a test and pass, and that you're gonna do what we say do. We don't want right. anybody coming here that's not gonna think that way. Exactly. Like when everybody talks about uh, Bill Gates, they say oh, Bill Gates dropped out of school. Now, I'm not against education. No, don't let, no, let's not go too far. So let me go into in more in depth with uh, defining what I'm talking about. So nobody say, oh, you against college degrees? No, I got college classes influence me greatly. College, college classes helped me greatly taking some college programs. Bill Gates stopped going to school because he had specialized knowledge in coding. And at the time when him and his friends were kicking it, being nerds, with these gigantic computers that didn't nobody know about, and he had access due to the influence of his family into an outlier situation to be able to have all these hours coding while the rest of the world didn't know. It was only like him, I believe, like a handful of other men on the earth that had these hours in coding. When called upon by the government, when the government needed people to code, he was on the short list. So, therefore, that's why he left his education, was because he had this specialized skill encoding these computers when it was a new thing. So that gave him a leg up. But he went back to college. You know, he got some college degrees, so there's nothing wrong with college. 
But specialized learning, specialized knowledge is how you have success, to actually know how to do something that produces something, that you don't have to depend on a system to tell you you're worth something, $20 an hour, you're worth $30 an hour, you're worth $40 an hour. Now we're going to decide, because all the money that we're spending on you for this $30, $40 an hour, because you were worth this, because we told you you were worth this, now we have robotics. So now we're saying you're not worth this $34 an hour because we have a robot that can do what you can do. So now, Mr. Smith, we no longer need you. And now you're out here talking about, I can't believe they took my job. They have to give me a job. Unfortunately, I hear brothers and sisters say that when the plant closes down or they get, you know, downsized. They say, I can't believe they took my job. they got to give me a job. No, they don't. That's not what business exists for. Your identity can't be tied to these things, and jobs are yet another thing. These degrees are yet another thing. There's nothing wrong with it, but be multi. You might have to be a baker, a candlestick maker, a pilot, a plumber. You you have to continue to learn. Learning is a lifetime process, a lifetime process. And this is what literacy and education, when I'm talking about education and literacy, that's what I'm talking about, being a lifetime learner. Always understand that I must improve. I must grow. I must have that growth mindset to be able to develop my mind and to be able to adapt because I don't know what the environment will be. But all I can say is I'm able to adapt. I was completely rigid, and I had these sweeping generalizations. I was an all-or-nothing person, which caused me not to be able to succeed in society because everything was all-or-nothing. Everything was a sweeping generalization. I'm all in. If this happened, i got to do this. I had already made these plans and decisions for destruction prior to anything happening. That's why I was carrying weapons. If this happens, i got to defend myself. This fight-or-flight nonsense in my mind. Because I was so ignorant, I lacked education, that education about myself. I lacked the skills, the executive functioning skills, the social-emotional intelligence, the communication skills to be able to think and to reason and to place myself into situations that were positive for me, to be able to think out of negative situations, to be able to recognize character traits, patterns of behavior in myself, which was leading to my negative outcomes. All those things were impossible for me to do. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Prior to me making a purposeful uh, journey on literacy, on how do you educate yourself, how do words work, what is etymology, where does the word come from? Forget what you tell me the word means. When I find out where the word comes from, then I understand what the purpose of the word is because the majority of our language is a new language, and we use these words we throw around as if they have these deep meanings when all they were were politicized words for some capitalist reason to use propaganda to promote an idea. And we throw these words around as if they have this great deep meaning, and we don't even understand that word just came about 200 years ago, 300 years ago. So you mean to tell me all this, whatever you believe, billions or thousands, it don't matter. All these years prior, people were living on this earth and functioning, but this new word going to come in 300 years ago, and all of a sudden I'm going to base my whole existence on a new word that was put into the lexicon for a purpose and a reason, which was to shape an idea, which was propaganda. And that's like, the de- I don't want to go too far, but, man, we can't think, man. When I couldn't think, that's why I'm here, I couldn't think. I didn't understand what thinking was, what critical thinking was, understanding what did you believe in. Because people believe in lies. So believing in a lie is the worst thing on earth. For me to know 
that every day I wake up, I'm on this ledge, and this ledge is dangerous, and I must be careful on this ledge that I might fall off. That's adverse. That's, that's life. That comes with the living. Adversity will happen. Everyone must be on their own ledge every day. And to understand that it's there and to set up systems to protect yourself is normal. But the lie is there is no ledge. There should never be a ledge. And for me to shrink back from life and never take a chance and to never experience my purpose is a lie that destroys. And the other lie that destroys is for me to believe that I can fly and to jump off the ledge. And those are really like the three schools of thought that you got. You got those that are terrified of the ledge, others that don't respect the ledge. The self-actualized person understands life comes with adversity. And when you become a problem solver and you realize I need to become a problem solver, one of the greatest gifts I keep telling everybody got children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces, teach them first literacy, teach them critical thinking and problem solving. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this. How do you teach them literacy? Because what we go by is what we learn in school, and you're saying that pretty right. much that's not literacy that we're learning. First of all, depend on the school to teach your kids. The government was never designed to educate the population. That's not what the government is designed to do. That's not this. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Responsibility is the responsibility of the village. The people within that household, the mother, the father, the grandparent, the uncle, the guy across the street that see that the mother, the grandfather, the uncle are struggling, and it is your duty because you see this kid and because you got something you can teach him. If it ain't nothing but, hey, I can teach you how to fix cars. That's what I know. I understand cars. I have specialized knowledge in cars. I'm a landscaper. I can teach you how to put a dollar in your pocket, young man, and I see your family over there struggling. And what has happened is we are not together in the village no more. We are separated, and we don't want to get in nobody's business. That is the destruction of humanity. We are built to increase human life and to depend upon one another. And it takes a village. No one family is prepared to raise a kid fully. And we keep looking for the government, for the education system to do it. They're not designed for all of that. The village mentality must come back. Instead of me sitting over there and judging a guy like, oh, I see this dude on the bunk. He do this stupid stuff all day or whatnot. I've been here before. So how can I befriend him so that I can influence him. And that's what we got to start thinking, those that do know something. We ain't going to never know everything, but the little bit I got, if I got one stone, if I can pass this one stone along to everybody I meet and understand that that might be my purpose, to help this family out because I see them struggling. I see they got you got one conference call. You can share that with everybody you meet. You can share that through <laughs> Through all the podcasts, you can share that through the replay number. You can share that to a lot of people. That's that false. You have one minute remaining. So literacy is taught through mentorship. That's what I said. That was the first brother that mentioned me that gave me that book. He, he did that. I didn't go seeking him. I didn't know he existed. He took a chance. On me, he invested in me. And then it was other men and women that have invested in me. And therefore, now I invest in others. This is the way it, it works, Mr. Fleming. So you say mentorship, mentorship meaning that you know, you need to be around this person for a while and let them just keep right. We got to get back in the mud. We got to get in the mud. Everybody want to live out to the suburbs and get a fence around them and don't want to go back to where the problem's at and think that we over that the boogeyman is there. No, that's why the children lost. We got to go back and take the village. They need that knowledge. They need what you know. People need you to teach them and show them 
and spend that time. Time is the most valuable thing. People will throw money at an issue, but they won't throw time. Because time is valuable. You can't get that back. It's the most precious of all things. Administration takes time. You know, so to teach, I'm talking about it's the... It's the Thank you for using GTL. This is a prepaid debit call from... Lewis. and recording. Thank you for using GTL. It's a little getting personal experience with how I learned. So it started with the membership of Brothers in Prison with books. Started reading books. And I started, he gave me Malcolm X. He gave me a, a biography. So it was a story. I could keep up with it better. One of the many words to look up. I could keep up with the concepts because it was a story of somebody's life. That opened up a gateway. That book influenced me because I saw growth and change in real life. I didn't know and understand growth and change. I had heard of the story of Michael Max. I saw the movie before and all that. But to read it and to start and have my mind clear at the end to say, dang, man, dude went through a lot of stuff and he changed. But he changed through reading. When he was in prison, when he started educating himself and his vocabulary grew, that's how he changed. So, I'm going to start right there, and we'll pick up on Wednesday. We'll start right there when he starts talking about Malcolm X. So I'm gonna, let me mark that there because we've gone way over. And we'll pick up on Wednesday and wrap this up. But, I mean, he's really about to get cranking now. <laughs> and he and I are about to go back and forth in a minute about the book club and and uh, this, his thought process on people. And the you know what do you have about people? Because you know it's different mindsets. You know I I, I kind of treat you guys as if um, this is gonna sound crazy. As if you all are <laughs> see I, I want to see it. As if you all are very highly intelligent, and you know, but that's not the case with us. You know what I'm saying? But you're here later on from him the difference in uh you know this this is what people don't want to hear this is what people will not agree with this will not this when he started talking about that he's going to tell you the levels on how people think and where they are because i compare it later on you know my partner going to harvard and and talking to you guys and he and, you know he let me know clearly that you know <laughs> that's a different level you know what i'm saying so but you'll see what I'm saying. I, I kind of, I kind of, um, uh, the way I, the way I operate with you guys is probably not how I should be. I hate to say it that way, but I'm, it's almost like I'm giving you more uh, the benefit, of giving you more credit than. I mean, I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm about to let him say it. I can't, I can't say it that way. But so if you get on Friday, you'll hear how he kind of breaks that down. All right, but that's it. We're out of here. I'll talk to you guys um, on Friday. All right, bye.